What a beautiful and glorious celebration it is, Christmas. I just, yeah. <laughs> Jesus is worthy of our worship, isn't he? Thank you very much. <laughs> he is so worthy of our worship. And I don't know about you, but Christmas is actually my favorite time of the year. It's a, fa sorry, I'm just going to clear off some of this. <laughs> Got a few props here. Christmas is my favorite time of year. I just have a short message to share with us, but um, I don't know about you, but I, I just love to celebrate the birth of Jesus because it's that moment, and we don't have to wait for Christmas, but it's that moment that the creator of the universe, the creator of the heavens and earth, the King of Kings, the glorious one, the, the Word, He stepped into time into the, the world that he created, which was broken. It wasn't broken when he created it, but we broke it. <laughs> and he stepped out of eternity into time for each one of us. And so it is, it's a great and wonderful time to celebrate. And I love celebrating Christmas. I love celebrating it with my family, with my friends. I love the opportunity to sing Christmas carols. My husband's a bit of a Scrooge. He won't allow us to play Christmas music until December. <laughs> <laughs> I could sing Christmas carols all through the year. I love them. Just worshiping Jesus. Some of the old hymns are just epic. I love them. And I, I love some of the modern day ones as well. I love some of the Christmas songs as well, even the ones that don't mention Jesus. I love corny, cheesy Christmas movies. I'm one of those people, I could watch Hallmark movies and <laughs> I'm confessing my sin. <laughs> I love the time with family. I just love love. Um, I love choosing gifts for my family. I love, my kids are older now, so they choose the gifts and email me what they want. And sometimes they even purchase them with my card. <laughs> but I actually love wrapping the gifts. I love giving them. I love seeing the delight on people's faces when they unwrap a gift. And obviously we saw today that the kids showed us Jesus is the best gift ever. <laughs> but I just love it. One of our traditions as a family is to get up on Christmas morning and we have breakfast together and we, um, we read the Christmas story, some different passages of scripture and we, we celebrate. And then there's part of a tradition is mum prays the longest prayer ever to get all the kids to wait to open their gifts, to build their endurance and their long suffering. <laughs> We torture them. I love having good food together. I, I love all the trimmings that go with, with Christmas. And it's nice to live in the Northern Hemisphere where it's a bit cooler, although it's been quite warm today. Because we used to celebrate Christmas in the summer in Australia, which is kind of odd. It's lovely, but it's also different to what you guys would have experienced. But I also love to, another tradition that we have started since we've come here is, is we go to a farm to pick our Christmas tree. Usually the, the weekend after Thanksgiving, all of us will get together and we'll go to this farm. And we don't cut the tree, but we pick our Christmas tree. Does anyone else here get a live Christmas tree? Anyone else aware of the Christmas tree shortage going on and how expensive they are this year? I mean, they must have all caught COVID or something. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> anyway, I love... Um, 
I love to, that, that tradition that we have as a, as a family to go and pick out the right Christmas tree. It just has to look exactly right. One of us will stand by one tree that we think is ours so no one else takes it and the others will go hunting just to check that we've got the right one. Got to make sure it's not too limp. Got to make sure it's not too wiry. Got to make sure it's bushy enough. You know, it's, it's quite a strategic mission and I love every moment of it. And we come home and have hot chocolate and we... we um, decorate the Christmas tree and I'm usually the one that ends up putting on the lights and the tinsel and I've, we've collected ornaments over the years and I, I just want to um, see a, a, a show of hands this morning. I'm going to do a little survey. Who here is a person who likes to coordinate their Christmas tree to have all the, the matching decorations? You have it nicely laid out with color coordination, you might change it up. Wave your hand at me, it's a bit hard to see, it's a bit dark in here. Yeah, okay, well done you guys, I am not you. I, <laughs> I, if they can show you a, a picture of my Christmas tree, you can have a look at it, I took a photo of it. But I, I absolutely love it, because it contains just things, random things, it's like the box threw up all over my tree. And it's, it's, but it's also ornaments that my kids have made over the years and I buy them an ornament each year and when they move out they get to take their ornaments with them but I keep the ones that they made. I've got two here which I thought you might like and, and these are two of my favourite ornaments. I just want, I, I, I don't care about having a coordinated tree. What I love is the, the memory of looking at the things that my kids my kids made and remembering at what point of their life that they made it and it's kind of the messier the better. Um, these are two of my favorites. I'm going to embarrass my girls. This one was made by Sarah before she could write her name and um, this, these, we have an eight, two angels and a star on the top, top of our Christmas tree. We don't just have one. As you can see, they're sitting on the top there and this one was made by Izzy both in preschool when, when they were young and if you saw these angels, you might understand why they said to Mary, fear not, when they showed up, because this one has hair all over its face, <laughs> and they're a little wonky. Oh, that, that's Lucy's, is it? This one's Lucy's, yes. And <laughs> okay, my love, do you want to take those? But I, I, I just love all of that. Anyway, but obviously, as I said, the the... The main celebration is really that Jesus was born, that he, and the, the, I want you to turn to Luke chapter one with me. We're going to just have a quick look at it. I think it's always wonderful to tell the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus' arrival, because what is amazing to me is that, you know, there, there was all of this this, these promises. So, so the title of this message is Christmas, the promise delivered, right? Because that first Christmas was when the fruition of promises came to be, right? And what is epic to me is what people expected was not how the King of Kings came. He came in a very, very humble and unlikely manner. He came out of a lineage of adulterers, of murderers, of liars, of prostitutes, but also the line of David, who was also an adulterer. 
and he, he came in humble circumstances. The God of the universe stepped into the flesh that he created and it was such an unlikely event, but it, it was the promise of decades and decades and hundreds and hundreds of years and it was the most epic day and that's why we still celebrate it each year as as the people who love Jesus and he came to very unlikely people his pro- the promise of God was fulfilled in Jesus through two very unlikely humans as well a carpenter a very lowly menial job who would have been unknown, and a teenage virgin who was unwed. I mean, that's quite a story, quite a scandal, or maybe not so much today, sadly. But that was the circumstances which he came in. And I, you, you might see up here, I have a target, I have a little visual uh, um, display here. And, and I'm going to read this passage from Luke and, and, and then we're going to go back in time and look at what were some of the promises that came before Jesus actually entered into his creation, the, the, the promise. And it won't take us long, but what I need first is somebody who feels like they are good at shooting a bow and arrow. Who feels like they could do that? Ryder, your hand went up first. Come here, young man. Let's give Ryder a hand. Oh, yeah. I don't know that it's... Anyway, you can adjust. Here's my beautiful helper here, my handsome helper, and my other handsome helper. Hey, Ryder. I know Ryder's a bit of a hunter. Okay, there's your bow, and you're going to stand here, and you guys can see here's something I prepared earlier. I just want you to know no one will be harmed in this. This is not a steel-tipped arrow, just for anyone who's concerned. We do have insurance. But this is a rubber-tipped arrow, and this is a target. And Ryder, what I would like you to do is hit that bullseye, that red dot, perfectly in the center from here with that bow and arrow. In fact, take a little bit of a step back. Okay, let's see how you go. Don't get a splinter. Let's just pray, everyone. Okay, yeah, give him a, give him, give him a bit of a... Come on, Ryder. You have to hit that right on the mark, right on the mark, okay? Hit that right on the mark. Come on, you can do it. Hit it right on the mark. Go on, you do it. Yep. Come on. Whoa, good shot. Good shot, give him a hand, guys. Can you go pick up the arrow for me? It's, it's a little bit like, uh, like, like that with all of us sometimes, right? Come here, Ryder. He, did, he actually tried really hard and actually got a lot closer than I thought he might get. But he still fell short, right? I gave him a job to do and he didn't manage to do it, okay? And we're all a little bit like that, aren't we? You know, life is a little bit like that. There was a design for us, but... We all have fallen short of that design. And God had promises and words that he had spoken over us as the human race. And he had a design for us, but we 
didn't quite hit the bullseye because that's where we needed to go. But in Jesus, that promise was delivered and fulfilled in his birth. And that's something to celebrate pretty epically. So we're going to look at that a little bit as I read this story. Thank you, Ryder. Good job. Give him a hand. Okay, let's just read from Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. I just want you to picture all the things that needed to come into place for this to happen. Okay, for the God of the universe to enter into our world. Was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Thank you, Jesus. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, I, she goes to visit um, Elizabeth. In those days, Mary arose and went with her with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, who was already pregnant with John. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then let's fast forward quickly to chapter 2 in Luke, and we see the birth of Jesus explained here. Just those first few verses. In those days, so this is like nine months later or six months later, depending on how you calculate it. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth 
and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now we read this and we know the story because we're looking at it in hindsight, but can you imagine how crazy it would have been for them in that time? And the reality is that this this is the fulfillment. So this is the first Christmas ever celebrated when Jesus was born. But actually, this was the the fruit of of multiple promises that God had made from really before the foundation of the earth. So see, Jesus coming was not the plan B. It was not an accident or an afterthought. It actually was the intention of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit all along to send a Savior for Him to step into His creation because He knew the end from the beginning. He knew the beginning from the end. He knew how it was going to go. He still chose to give us free will. He chose to give us that independence in a sense, but to be completely dependent on Him. This was the fulfillment. Did you know that that we look at this as, as the Father fulfilling the promise, delivering the promise in Jesus. But actually, it, there, there are over 108 promises in the Word. This is a book of promises for us. There are over 108 promises of a Savior King coming to the earth, of Jesus going to be born, and they are very specific, and they pointed. And the first promise, if you look, you don't have to turn to it now. This is only one. This is only, I'm going to look at a few of 108 promises that actually the chances, the odds of even one of them being accurate one of those prophetic words and promises being accurate and being fulfilled. And in all of those circumstances, everything that had to line up for Jesus to enter this earth was the odds were stacked against him. They were completely stacked against him and people were trying to kill the Israelites, the Jewish people and Jesus all the way through, right? But the odds were stacked against him. But there are over 108 promises from God, from the beginning of time of Jesus coming and his life on this earth. And so it is pretty incredible. And the, the, if, you, if you are a gambling person, I think the chances of even one of them being fulfilled or even eight of them being fulfilled are like a billion to one. Man, isn't he worthy of our worship at, at this time? The fact that actually in Jesus right? If Jesus is the arrow and the promises are are contained in Jesus, that in sending his son, he was able to hit the target right on the mark and fulfilled every single one of his promises to us. And so he's going to continue to fulfill his promises through us. Amen. Let's just have a look at a couple of them. Genesis 3.15. Right at the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned and they fell short, they, they disobeyed and they wanted to be God themselves, really. They wanted to take things into their own hands. The first promise and the first, in a sense, the first promise about Christmas in the Bible was in Genesis 3.15. And, and what God does in that moment is He lets them know that He had a plan for all eternity to rescue and redeem mankind to bring them back into relationship with him. So what he does is 
as I said, Jesus is not plan B. He is plan A all the way along. And he is not an afterthought. God let Satan know in that moment in Genesis 3.15 where we read this, where it says, I will put enmity between you and this woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is the first promise of Christmas right? He's basically, this is the first promise about Jesus coming in the Bible. Basically, God's saying, I have a plan. I have a solution. I've had it all along. I'm going to send someone who is in your generational line, and he is going to step on the head of the serpent of Satan, who is trying to come against and destroy and rob um, humankind of their relationship with the Father and interrupt that. He says, I'm going to send a son who will come and he will crush the head of this serpent. And he tell, he lets Satan know in that moment, he's going to crush you. Now you're going to, you're going to, you know, get a little nip at his heel, but don't worry. I got, I got a solution to that. He's going to beat death and hell. So we know that actually crushing a head is a whole lot more powerful than nipping of the heel, don't we? And so that's the first that's one of the first promises in the Bible. And then from there, we see that actually the Father, He just kept giving promises into His creation, into His Word, into His people, down the genera generations, down the line, along again and again. He would just let His people know, I have a solution. I'm coming. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. If After that first promise, He keeps saying, I'm going to Bring a Messiah who's coming. If you look at Isaiah 7, 14, where it goes into, this is like, this, is, this blows my mind. Even this one promise coming to fruition is phenomenal. It is miraculous, right? 680 years before Jesus' birth, right? God tells a prophet named Isaiah, that the, or Isaiah, depending on where you're from, that the Saviour would come from a virgin mother and would be God in the flesh. He says, you don't have to turn there, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. How specific is that? It's a specific promise from God the Father that he's injecting, speaking through the prophet into his people to give them hope, to keep them like pressing in towards him in faith. And then in Isaiah 9, verse 1 to 2, and then verse 6 to 7, it talks about, it, it mentions Galilee being the place where the light is going to shine in the darkness. These are all passages that we read because we know how it turned out. But these are all promises from the Father for the people. And then he goes, and then it says also, a child will be born on the throne of David. So a saviour coming from the line of David. If you go into Micah in the Old Testament, chapter 5, verse 2 to 5, it talks about there being an anointed one, a ruler shepherd who will come and lead his people. And it even talks about in, um, in Daniel 9, 25 as well, it talks about the anointed one. Sorry, the Micah, the Micah passage, Micah 5, two to five, it talks about Jesus coming, who will shepherd Israel and he'll be born in Bethlehem. And in the, the message version, it calls it the runt of the litter. The father wanted people to know he wasn't gonna come in the way that everyone thought it. 
He showed us in the word. He that, that Bethlehem was, was not a significant place, not known as a significant place, but it's definitely on the map now for us. Daniel, that passage, Daniel 9, 25 to 27, the anointed one coming who will be killed and it will appear that he has accomplished nothing. So he's talking about the fact that Jesus was coming and that he would be put to death and, and it would appear that he, he was unsuccessful in his mission. But we all know the end from that, don't we? That he defeated death and hell and was, was raised from life. And then there was this gap. I mean, I'm just running over it very quickly, but there was this 400-year gap before Jesus' birth where Israel had been used to hearing from the prophets, but he, God was silent and didn't speak to them, right? There are many other passages in Scripture that point towards the birth of a Messiah, of a Savior. And, and after all of that waiting, we see in that, that passage that I read in Luke 1 and then Luke 2, where the, the saviour of the world, the, the king of heaven, the darling of heaven, stepped into the cre- his creation to fulfil and to deliver on the promises that were made to the people of God for thousands, like thousands of years. It's epic, is it not? I think it's something to celebrate. That after all that waiting, all the wondering, is God really going to come through? Is He going to do what He says He's going to do? Is He going to come through? We, you know, they, were, they would have been looking for signs and looking for, for things, for, for fingerprints of God. And if their eyes were open and if their hearts were soft, if they were humble, they could see those promises and they could discover that this was the Messiah, Jesus, being born in a stable to a virgin and a carpenter. And he was the glorious son of God, confining himself and putting himself, entrusting himself into his creation. Man, he is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of heaven. He is the Savior. And he came in that most humble and unexpected way. And in that moment, in those moments, the fight, we see that God the Father, God of heaven, God the uncreated one, came good and delivered on his promises. And we see that his promise was fulfilled in Jesus. But what was needed for that to happen? What needed to happen? If you look at Mary's response, right? You look at her response and you see, she says that, that she was actually, she, she received the word from the angel. The angel appeared to her. And she received that word from the angel. She received from him what he said. It says in verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to, be to me according to your word. So she, this little teenage girl, an angel shows up and says, you are going to be the one who carries the Messiah. You're going to be the one who carries Emmanuel. You're go- I've chosen you. You have favor in my sight. And her response is humility, and she receives. She's like, yes, I say yes. I receive that promise, right? Secondly, she believes. She believes the word. You see that, obviously, when she acts upon it, 
she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And you see in verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She's blessed because she believed. So she received what what the angel told her from the Father, carrying the Messiah, carrying Emmanuel. She believed that what he what was promised was going to happen and she acted upon it and she took that promise. She carried Jesus as the promise on the inside of her and the hope put her hope in the Lord because she believed it was from the Lord. And then if you just, and then she also, she treasured the word. If you go further over to chapter two, I didn't read it, but in verse 19, after Jesus had been born, after the promised one had been delivered and all these people, the fulfillment of the promise, that initial promise of him coming to make a way for his people came. All all the shepherds, the angels, the wise men, people came to worship at his feet. And Mary, what did she do? She pondered these things. She treasured them in her heart and pondered them. And, and, you know, I don't know what your experience is, right? You may have had some words. We, can, we have words in this, in the word from the Father to us. We have promises that he has given to us. Obviously, the ultimate promise is Jesus and our Savior. But he's spoken words over us. He has spoken words over each of our lives. He has purpose and destiny for each of our lives. And just as in that moment, even before Mary received the truth and the word from the angel and believed it in her heart and treasured it and said yes and waited for the fulfillment and the fruition of it, it required a yes from Jesus to say, yes, I'll step in as well. And and he's given us promises. He's given us things. He's invited us into his story. And he has words that he wants to fulfill us. And some of us, maybe like Ryder, we try really hard to to hit the mark, right? We try really hard to clean ourselves up and do a good thing. But we realize we can't do it. Or we we maybe receive the promise and then we wait for some time and it doesn't get fulfilled. And so we grow weary and we, we think, oh, well, I've got I've to do it. I've got to do it myself. I've got to make it happen for myself. I've got to get that job. I've got to get a better education. So I'm not saying that a better education is not good, but we, we take things into our own hands. Or maybe we get disappoint, disappointed and we, we forget the promise and we let it go. We get dismayed. Or maybe there's a delay and we think, oh, I got it wrong, or God doesn't see me, he doesn't love me. But we can look at Jesus and know, and, and him stepping into this world, that actually he is the God who fulfills his promises for us. He is the God who, he, his word goes out, and it doesn't return empty and void, but it fulfills. In Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, just like the rain comes down to the earth and does what it needs to do, his word goes out, it's spoken out, and it will fulfill. It won't come back to him without fulfilling. But what are we, what's our job? It's not to try and clean ourselves up. I know some of us feel like we're still in the quiver and we're hidden and in a place, a season of hiddenness. We're like, what about me, God? What about me? Pick, 
me, pick me. I want to be like that person. All their promises are coming to fruition. But if we just wait like Mary did and we ponder and treasure those words in our heart and we allow him to clean us up like we're the arrow in his hands and we're full, we contain promise, those words that he's spoken over us, we allow him to carry us, we allow him to form us, we allow him to direct us, we, we treasure the words, we receive them, we believe them, we say yes to them daily, we remind ourselves of them, we yield to the process of being cleaned up and formed, allowing all the malformations to be healed, and we will hit the mark in Jesus like that. His promises are yes to us if they're His promises. I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite Murray to come up here. And before we get the kids up, we're just going to have a moment just to respond in our hearts to Him. I just want to invite you just to lift up your hands to Jesus right now. Lift up your hands to the Holy Spirit. And maybe there are some promises. Maybe you've put them on the shelf or you let them, you've let them go. Or maybe there's some disappointment for you. Maybe there's some delay for you. Things that the, the Holy Spirit has spoken directly into your heart, but in the waiting, you've grown weary. Or maybe you've forgotten some of them and you haven't treasured them. I want to give you an opportunity right now to respond just like Mary did, just like Jesus did with his yes, I'm going to go. Father, I'm going to go. I'm part of that plan. I say yes to stepping into the world. Because the reality is, is now we actually are the promise carriers. We carry Jesus on the inside of us to the world around us. But if you've let go of some promises or you recognize you haven't treasured them and you haven't really held on to Jesus in them, I want to give you an opportunity just to repent and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for dismissing it. You can do that in your own words right now. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've put those things on the shelf or I've thought I'm not good enough or I've tried to do it in my own strength. I repent for trying to clean myself up and make myself better or make myself someone completely different, Lord. I yield to you right now. And right afresh again, I say yes to all of those promises that you've spoken over my life. I receive them just like Mary did when the angel appeared to her. I put the mustard seed of faith that I have before you, Jesus, and I believe your word is true and it is going to be fulfilled in my life. 